Thanks for tuning in to the New Life South Coast Weekly Sermon Podcast. We want you to know that we're excited about our brand new church facility located on 1331 Cove Road in New Bedford, Massachusetts. We offer three service times for you to choose from. We have kids' classes for all ages so parents can enjoy the service while kids learn about Jesus. We'd love to host you in person, Saturdays at 5 p.m. or Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. Now, here's an encouraging word. So the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at the life of Joseph as a template for going after the dreams that God has given us. Because the truth of God is universal. It's the same truth from Joseph's days it is today. The key, though, is that you and I have to pay attention to how he applies to us. That's the key to God's word, right? You could be here, but if you're not tuning in, then you're going to miss it, right? The last thing you want is to wake up early in the morning, go to a church service, and then go home and go, I don't know what happened. Seriously. You know, to me, it's like I want to engage. I don't want to, like, waste my mornings. I want to come in here and get something substantial that's going to impact my life for the better. Can you say amen? And so, and so my friends, we, we've talked about the anatomy of a dream. And then last week we talked about the fact that it takes a certain mindset, the mama mentality, the work ethic to see the dreams come to pass. And today we're going to add another layer to this. We're going to pick up exactly where we left off in Genesis 39, verse 6. And we're going to add another layer to going after the dreams that God has for us. And I want to talk to you today about the backbone of dreams. The title today is The Backbone of Dreams. Because in order for us to fulfill God's dreams for our lives, we need to have a backbone. And that backbone is our character. Every dream needs character. Because it's not just about attaining the dream, it's about sustaining the dream. And we all know, we all know people who had the talent but didn't have the character to sustain their dream. And so it's important that we don't just have dreams, but we need to have the character to go with the dreams. Can you say amen? amen. And so we're going to see this in the life of Joseph. And I believe if you pay attention today, you're going to see yourself as well. But Joseph, in verse 39, verse 6, here's what we pick up from last week. So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. So Joseph, now a slave, an immigrant, has worked so hard that Potiphar gives him Basically, the green light in his house to do everything he needs to do. With Joseph there, he didn't worry about a thing except what kind of food to eat. Joseph was a very handsome and well-built young man. What a man. What a man. What a mighty good man. That's the song. It's about Joseph. He's got a, a body like Arnold with a Denzel face. That's, that's Joseph. So verse 7, and Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. Hello. I hope there's no kids today. I really feel like we're going, we're going there. So seriously though, I, I'm serious. Like I would not want kids to hear this message. It may not be suitable. Uh, so parents, use your judgment. Come sleep with me, she demanded. But Joseph refused. Look, he told her, my master trusts me with everything in his entire household. 
No one here has more authority than I do. He has held back nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. She kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day. She is relentless, desperate housewife. <laughs> but he refused to sleep with her. And he kept out of her way as much as possible. One day, however, no one else was around when he went in to do his work. She came and grabbed him by his cloak, demanding, come on, sleep with me. This cougar, man. Joseph tore himself away, but he left his cloak in her hand as he ran from the house. Now, you have to understand, back in those days, they would have the cloak. And underneath the cloak is only, everything you're left is your underwear. So he's literally running away in his underwear. Just so you can get the picture at 9 a.m. on Sunday morning. <laughs> Verse 13, when she saw that she was holding his cloak and he had fled, she called out to her servants soon all the men came running. Look, she said, my husband has brought this Hebrew slave here to make fool of us. He came into my room to rape me, but I screamed. When he heard me scream, he ran outside and got away, but he left his cloak behind with me. She kept the cloak with her until her husband came home. Then she told him her story. That Hebrew slave that you brought into our house Try to come in and fool around with me, she said. But when I screamed, he ran outside, leaving his cloak with me. Verse 8, 19, Potiphar was furious when he heard his wife's story about Joseph, about how, how Joseph had treated her. So he took Joseph and threw him into prison where the king's prisoners were held, and there he remained. So now, my friends, Joseph is in jail for a false accusation of rape. He's been sold by his family. He's working very hard in Potiphar's house and he's blessing Potiphar's house. He's doing well and he comes against this temptation and he stands his ground and now he's in jail for something he didn't do. And so I, I pray we understand this in order to achieve the dreams that God has placed inside all of us, we're gonna have to face the obstacles, we're going to have to face adversity, we're going to have to go through the ups and downs, but also we're going to have to deal with temptations. There's going to be temptations along the way to try to derail you from the very thing that God has for you. That's why I truly believe that the backbone of dreams is your character. The backbone of dreams is your character. And if you're taking notes, to me, the, the simplest definition of character is who you are when no one is watching. Who you are when no one's watching reveals who you really are. Character, my friends, is what keeps us grounded from wanting to take shortcuts to our dreams. Character and integrity is the unwillingness to compromise the truth. Because the truth is, God's greatest desire 
is for us to look like him. That's God's greatest desire. It's for us to reflect him. God's greatest desire for all of us is that like parents today dedicating these babies, God wants those babies, us, to look like him. It's one of the greatest compliments any parent receives when they, someone says, man, your kid is a great person and he's, he's, a, he's, he's, he's so loyal and he's so trustworthy and he's so faithful and he's so nice and he's, he's such a good helper. Like those are the things we love to hear as parents. How much more does God wants to hear? Look at my kids and, and what they're doing and, and how they're walking and how they're living. And so character, my friends, matters to God. You know, one of the current events in our society right now, I don't know if you guys have been, been following, but one of the current events is these guys have been on the news lately. Um, you guys can go and put up that picture of the Houston Astros. But these guys play for the Houston Astros baseball team. And in baseball, the ultimate dream is to win the World Series. If you're a baseball player, that is the ultimate dream. Because once you win the World Series, you go into the history books. Like you'll be rem remembered forever. Like your name will always be mentioned with the greats because you won the ultimate dream of winning the World Series. So these guys won this in 2017. But right now, they're on the news because it's been found out that they won by cheating. And so now, two years later, these guys find themselves on the wrong side of history because they attained the dream, but they attained it without character. It's one thing to attain the dream, but it's another thing for that dream to be celebrated. Because now, my friends, whether they like it or not, for the rest of their lives, they're going to be known as the team that cheated their way to the championship. And right now, they're trying their best to bring their apology and all of that. But the reality is this. It doesn't matter what they say. There's going to always be an asterisk next to their name that said, no, those are the guys who cheated their way to the dream. My friends, character matters. Character matters. It's... It's not about just getting there. It's how we got there. Because now for the rest of their lives, these guys are going to have to deal with this. Because they decided to take shortcuts to the dream. My friends, if character is the backbone of dreams, temptations are the shortcuts to get in there. Listen, sometimes I think we can all agree that in life, it seems like people who cheat, lie, deceit, deceive, seem to be getting away and getting ahead. You ever feel that way? When you look around, you're like, man, how come it seems like those who do all the wrong things seem to be getting ahead in life? Right? You ever had those moments that you're like, man, I'm working really hard. I show up early. I stay late. This dude who shows up whenever he wants to, keeps getting promoted, he keeps getting blessed, he keeps being recognized, and he really like messes with you, and you start to feel like, man, this ain't fair, this thing is rigged, it makes no sense. And I tell you something, all of us have wrestled with this. 
That's what I love about the Bible. Like the Bible wrestles with every single thing that we wrestle with. That's why I love so much about it shows you the good, the bad, and the ugly of life. And if you go to Psalm 73, you see someone who was wrestling with this, it seems unfair, God, that the wicked, the word for those that don't follow God in Scripture sometimes is called the wicked, right? It seems like, man, God, how come it seems like these wicked people seem to be getting away with so much? Like, what, what, what's up with that? And I want to show you this because it's a reflection that we need to pay attention to because not everything is as it seems. And it's going to be a long read, but it's worth it because sometimes I need to let the Bible speak for itself. Psalm 73, here's someone reflecting on this reality, beginning with verse 3. Look what he says. He says, for I envy the proud when I saw them prosper despite their wickedness. They seem to live such painless lives. Their bodies are so healthy and strong. They don't have troubles like other people. They're not playing with problems like everyone else. He's looking out on the outside looking in. They wear pride like jewel necklace and clothe themselves with cruelty. These fat cats have everything their hearts could wish for. They scoff and speak only evil. In their pride, they seek to crush others. They boast against the very heavens. And their words strut throughout the earth. He's saying, like, man, these people don't even care about the things of God. But they keep prospering. Are you tracking so far? And so the people are dismayed and confused, drinking in all their words. People can feel like, man... I thought the wicked shouldn't be prospering. And look at this question, verse 11. What does God know, they ask? In other words, does God really know what's going on here? Does the Most High even know what's happening? Look at these wicked people enjoying a life of ease while their riches multiply. Verse 13. Did I keep my heart pure for nothing? You ever had that thought? Am I doing the right thing for nothing? Did I keep myself innocent for no reason? Sometimes I, I, I think young people in church have this, this struggle. Like, my friends seem to be having all the fun, and they're doing this, and they're doing that. They're partying, they're drinking. Like, am I trying to stay faithful to God for no reason? Verse 14, I get nothing but trouble all day long. Every morning brings me pain. If I had really spoken this way to others, I would have been a traitor to your people. So I tried to understand why the wicked prosper. But what a difficult task it is. Verse 17. Then I went into your sanctuary, O God, and I finally understood the destiny of the wicked. Truly you put them on a slippery path and sent them sliding over the cliff to destruction. In an instant, they are destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. When you arise, O oh Lord, you will laugh at their silly ideas as a person laughs at dreams in the morning. Then I realized that my heart was bitter and I was all torn up inside. I was so foolish and ignorant. I must have, I must have seemed like a senseless animal to you, yet I still belong to you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, leading me to a glorious destiny. Listen, bottom line is, my friends, it's not all what he seems. Because I think in our society, we have a tendency to equate success and prosperity with just what we see with the naked eyes. 
But God goes deeper than that, right? Those people will not tell you about their sleepless nights. Because it's hard to maintain something when you keep doing shady things on the side. It's hard to have peace where all you do when is cause turmoil. It's hard to have grace where all you do when is being cutthroat. Those things come back to you and they haunt you and they mess with you and they, 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 they tear you apart. This, this is what he's talking about, the terrors. The terrors is now how do you maintain something that you didn't get the right way. So my friends, let's not just be people who are looking at the surface because one of the temptations, there's three temptations we all face. Every temptation you face falls in three categories. Lust of the flesh, which is the physical things like sex, like Joseph faced. Lust of the eyes is what you see. And then the pride of life is to think that you're better than everybody else. Those are the things we all face. And he's talking about here, like, listen, don't, don't be fooled. Just because it seems like someone's prospering on the surface, you have no idea the price they're paying for how they got there. Like these guys right here. This is no judgment or condemnation on the Astros. It's just the reality that now they're, t they're in turmoil because it's been found out that you didn't get there the right way. So my friends, Joseph, to me, is a powerful example of how to have a backbone in the, in, in, in the middle of temptation. Think about it. Joseph could have easily justified his behavior here. Think about it. No one would know. It's just him and this desperate housewife. My friends, he lived in this house for about 11 years. So there's only so much a man can take. Day after day, this person keeps coming. And you can see Joseph getting wore down by this. He can get to the place that he could have said what most people say. Hey, I'm not perfect. I mean, what can a man do? He, he, he keeps throwing himself at me. One thing led to another. You ever heard that? When I was a youth pastor, I used to hear that. I'm like, man, you know how many things have to lead to a lot of things for you to be naked with somebody? That's a lot of things. But the, the, the struggle that we're facing, my friends, is that our society, sex has become an idol. We live in an over-sexualized society. That a story like this is numbing to people. They're like, what's wrong with him? That's what we would say. In our society. What's wrong with you, dude? Get yours. Do your thing. Do you, boo-boo. <laughs> so for many people, this would have been a no-brainer. Like, man, take advantage. There's only you much you can take. But I think Joseph knew something that most people don't know. Joseph knew that this could be the moment that the entire dream would be ruined. Joseph knew that the moment I opened this door, I'm saying goodbye to everything that God has promised me. Joseph knew that this is not about me being found out. This is about the reality that God has given me a character to reflect who he is, that I'm not going to violate who he's created me to be. You see, my friends, the temptation is to take the easy way out. 
For Joseph, he's facing a sexual temptation, which is the temptation of our society. We're so over-sexualized that now people are identifying themselves by who they sleep with. It used to be a gender, now it's an identity. That's how sexualized we are. And then if someone was to talk to you about the power of sex and, and what God created it for, people get so angry and so upset and they think you're judging them and, the, and that you're condemning them because you're trying to elevate their understanding of what God created them to be. And so because they're so consumed with that, all they see is they idol. Sex is being elevated over God and God created sex. He had a purpose in everything he creates. But every time humanity takes something that God creates and distort it, it becomes idolatry. It becomes a cheap thing as opposed to being a powerful thing. That's why people are having sex and still not be fulfilled. And still not be satisfied. Why? Because it's taking the place that only God can have in our lives. And Joseph knew that. It's like, I'm not going to violate the sacredness of who God created me to be and you. And the people that he trusted me with. My friends, that's integrity. That's character. For Joseph, it's sex, but it could be other things. Some people fudge the numbers to get ahead. For some people, it's greed. For some people, they lie on their resumes to get ahead. Some people will buy followers to boost their popularity. Some people have fake accounts. And we can go on and on. So it's not just about one area. It's about what is the area that is trying to lure you into taking a shortcut to the dreams that God has for you. For these guys, it was cheating so they can know what pitch was coming at them. So they can have an advantage over the pitcher that they're facing. So we all have to pay attention to the reality that all of us are prone to this. No one is immune from this. Depending on your dream, there's going to be temptations there for you to take a shortcut. And we see this through our scriptures. That's what I love about the Bible. It shows you the good, the bad, and the ugly of humanity. And it lays it all out for you to say, okay, now you choose. You know, in the Bible, there's a man named David, King David, one of the greatest kings that ever lived. And he, he received one of the greatest compliments you can receive. God says about David, he says, this man has my heart. That's the, one of the greatest compliments you can ever receive. God says to, that about you. Like, man, that man is after my own heart. Like, he has my heart. Until one day. David hanged back from his purpose and he made the worst decision of his life by sleeping with someone who wasn't his wife. Here's a man who was celebrated for being one of the greatest kings of all time. The man who defeated Goliath. Till this day we talk about David and Goliath. The man who stood up to the giant and killed the giant and now he was killed by lust. He didn't die physically, but man, he died emotionally and spiritually. See, when the enemy says, you surely won't die, he wasn't telling you the truth. He was saying, hey, you won't die physically right now, but you're, you're going to die emotionally and spiritually. And you're going to lose everything you worked for. You know, David, the next 15 years of his life, no one talks about this. We stop at the giant killer. But the next 15 years was the most miserable year of his life, the moment he opened that door. Why? Because there's a domino effect. God forgives, but the consequences are real. And so he has these kids that now have the same lust on them. Why? Because whatever we don't deal with gets passed down. And his own kids turn on him and turn like lustfully. And he, and he, and he has a son named Solomon who took lust to a whole other level and had, and had 700 different women and tried everything to fulfill the, the longing, the craving. And he says, man, it's all meaningless. 
keep taking shortcuts and finding myself in a dead end street. Because temptations will always promise something that he can't deliver. There's a man named Samson. The Bible says the stronger man who ever lived. But he gave in to a woman named Delilah. The stronger man who ever lived was brought to his knees by lust. Solomon, reflecting on this, what, 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 what messed him up, he wrote the book of Proverbs, which is a book of wisdom. Again, I love that the fact that these guys own it, their faults, and then they put it down so that hopefully we can learn something from them. But Solomon talking about his own battles with lust. Here's what he wrote for us today. Again, long reading, but you know, sometimes we just got to let the Bible speak for itself. Proverbs chapter 5, look at this. He said this, my son, pay attention to my wisdom. Listen carefully to my wise counsel. Then you will show discernment and your lips will express what you've learned. For the lips of an immoral woman are as sweet as honey and her mouth is smoother than oil. But in the end she is as bitter as poison, as dangerous as a double-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps lead straight to the grave, for she cares nothing about the path to life. She staggers down a crooked trail and doesn't realize it. So now my sons, listen to me. Never stray from what I am about to say. Stay away from her. Don't go near the, the door of our house. If you do, you will lose your honor. And you will lose to merciless people all you have achieved. Strangers will consume your wealth. And someone else will enjoy the fruit of your labor. In the end, you will groan in anguish when diseases consume your body. Even the Bible talks about STDs. You will say, oh, I hated discipline. If only I had, ignored, if only I had not ignored all the warnings. Oh, why didn't I listen to my teachers? Why didn't I pay attention to my instructors? I have come to the brink of utter ruin. And now I must face Public disgrace, like the astral players are facing right now. Public disgrace. Drink water from your own well. Share your love only with your wife. Why spill the water of your springs in the streets, having sex with just anyone? You should reserve it for yourselves. Never share it with strangers. Let your wife be a fountain of blessing for you. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. If you're married, say amen. amen. You know, my pastor, my mentor, my role model, always tells us this. He said, listen, when you face sexual temptation, just remember this. This is the moment. You say, I'm not even talking about sex. He says, the moment you kiss a woman who's not your wife, be ready to lose everything. He says, that's what you're saying. You're saying, I'm ready to lose everything I worked for. My friends, please write this down. Dreams requires character, and character requires self-control. Dreams requires character, and character requires self-control. When you study the fruits of the Spirit, the last one mentioned is self-control. For a reason. Self-control is what binds everything else together. The fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, meekness, gentleness, 
than self-control. What the Bible is trying to teach us is, my friends, self-control is the glue to your love. Without self-control, you don't have love, you have lust. Without self-control, you don't have joy, you have happenings. You have to keep having things happening instead of having the joy of the Lord, which is your strength already inside of you. Without self-control, you have no patience. Without self-control, you have no kindness. Without self-control, you're not meek. Without self-control, you're not humble. Without self-control, everything else falls apart. That's why some people could be the most talented people in the world and lose everything. Because they thought talent is what matters. But talent without character will ruin you. Self-control, my friends, is the key to a blessed life. Because the Bible promises you that God will always give you a way out. I've told you there's many promises in the Bible. There's one about temptations. In Corinthians, it tells you this about temptations. When you face them, it says, look, go ahead and put up that scripture for me in Corinthians. Do we have it? The temptations in your life are no different from what other people experience. Because the lie of the enemy is, you're the only one. That's always the lie of the enemy. When I used to be a high school teacher, you know, the kids were like, you don't understand. No one understands. I'm like, yeah, we should study you. You're the only one. <laughs> we should start an experiment on you. That's a lie. Look, others experience, but God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so you can endure. That's his promise. You will be tempted, but there's a way out. The enemy loves to scream, hey, this is it. There's nothing else you can do. There's no other way. But God says, no, that's a lie. I will always make a way where there seems to be no way. I am the God who is faithful to make a way. Again, for some is sex, for some is money, for some is drugs, is status, is popularity, is pride. Listen, pay attention to what makes you vulnerable. Because we all have something. I came across this Turkish Proverbs. It just really blew my mind. It's so good. Look, look what this proverb says. Men are usually tempted by the devil, but an idle man positively tempts the devil. You need to read that again slowly, like you're hooked on phonics. Listen. <laughs> men are usually tempted by the devil, but an idle man positively tempts the devil. My friends, this is why the key to Joseph's life was staying busy and productive and focused so he wouldn't get caught up on the wrong stuff. <laughs> Being idle has killed more purposes than the devil himself. As a youth pastor, he's telling people, man, stay busy if you want to pursue your calling. The more time you have in your hands, the more likely you're going to fall into things you shouldn't want to fall into. I used to tell him, especially in the summertime, you know what you should do? Man, work on your jump shot, play for hours, exhaust yourself. So when you go to bed, you sleep, your mind is not wandering, you're not going on the internet, you're not trying to find things you shouldn't be finding. Trust me, stay busy. Stay busy. Most people don't need the devil. We are our worst enemies. We have all the time in the world. Man, get your face in the word. Get your face in the word. Learn the word. 
Speak the word. Watch things that's going to edify your soul. David. The Bible says in a time when kings would go to war, David was like, no, nah, I'm good. I'm hanging back today. And that's how he got in trouble. Instead of living on purpose, we're living to be comfortable. And comfort is our worst enemy. We need to stay busy. We need to stay focused. We need to be striving for something. Even if it's just a jump shot, that's something. Show me a kid who's striving for a jump shot. Show your kid who doesn't have time to get in trouble. Because he's busy working on a craft. Working on something meaningful and substantial. Can you say amen? amen? My friends, the key to David's life and our lives is that David had a healthy fear of God. Something that is foreign in our society today. We don't even understand what that means. The Bible tells us this about the fear of God in Proverbs. It says this, look. Fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and discipline. Only an idiot despises discipline. He says, you're an idiot when you, don't, when you don't take heed to discipline. There are people who say, I'll do whatever I want. Yeah, you're an idiot. <laughs> no one can tell me what to do. Yeah, that's why you keep not doing anything. You ever hear people like that? I am a old man. Yeah, we, we know. We see. We see the fruits. Fear the Lord, my friends. This is not like... If I don't do this, I'm going to hell. This is not what he's talking about. The Bible barely talks about that. That's us putting our own twist to it. The fear of the Lord here is that there's a reverence. There's a respect. There's an honor. There's this like, man, God is so good to me. He's so faithful to me that I have this healthy desire that I don't want to do anything remotely close to disappointing him. Because he's the one that I want to please. That, that's, why, that's why David was like, man, why would I do such a thing? Like, I got this going with God. He's been so good to me. And I'm in a place where I don't deserve to be. Guess what? I'm not going to add something that I brought on to myself. Because sometimes that's the justification, isn't it? I worked so hard and things are not working out. I need an escape. And boom, here comes the affair. I'm not being validated. I'm not being supported. No one cares. No one loves me. But guess what? If no one does, God does. God cares. God loves. God supports you. And God is faithful. And God is for you. The beginning of wisdom, my friends, is to have this healthy fear of God. But here's the thing. Obedience to God is much easier when you know who God is. If you don't know that he's a loving God who loves you, who is for you, who has a plan for your life, who wants to bless you, who wants to heal you, who wants to restore you, who wants to empower you, then guess what? You won't understand. Listen, here's what people don't understand about obedience. When you reduce God to a Sunday morning and not a lifestyle, then you don't get it. When you don't see that he's for you and if you think he's just a distant thing that we just happen to, to connect with on one day a week, then we miss the point. Talking about a father here who has the best interest in mind, behind every commandment of God is your best interest. Think about it. When it comes to sex, God's like, man, I want you to be fruitful and multiply and to enjoy. But I want you to be able to have parameters that you, it's actually going to bless you. That's a good father. And money. He says, man, I, don't, I want you to make money. These guys, these guys were rich. I know that sounds weird in church because we think, you know, money is a problem. No, the love of money is the root of all evil, not money. Money is a great resource that God wants to bless you with. So, my friends, it's a kind, loving, gracious father that Joseph's like, man, why would I 
break my father's heart. I couldn't do thing. I couldn't do that. I love that. I don't know how you feel, but that's, that's my goal. God, I don't want to disappoint you. I don't want to hurt you. I don't want to do anything remotely to take your grace off of me. Because here's the thing. I believe God walks with us like side by side. Like God is in us and with us. Side by side. He talks about it in the garden. He says he will come and walk with Adam and Eve until the day they decided to do their own thing. God's like, what happened? You broke that relationship we had. You see, when you sin, you're basically telling God, I'm good. I got this. I'll do it my way. So what happens is God's like, well, I can't be part of sin because I'm holy. I'm righteous. So guess what? I have to distance myself. But I don't want to. You do. Whenever you feel like God moved, it's not God who moved. We did. And God is faithful. He says, I'm faithful to forgive and to, and to restore and to forget and to empower you forward. But when we sin on purpose, we are literally saying, God, take your hands of grace off of me. Take your favor off of me. Take your blessings off of me. Take every provision off of me because I'm good. And of course, when I say that, people say, aren't we all sinners? Yes, we're all sinners. But sinning on purpose is a choice. And, 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 and I know this is uncomfortable because we don't even use the word sin anymore. Sin is not even part of our vocabulary anymore. Now we use words like, I got to adjust. <laughs> and I know we are a progressive church and we love music and, and we love lights and we love to have fun. But my friends, the fear of the Lord is in his house. We're not going to back away from the will of God and the purpose of God. You can see me up here, I'm wearing camo, and I'm wearing J's, and, and, and you know, I look hip and cool, but guess what? The fear of the Lord is on me, my friends. I don't mess with sin. I don't play around with sin. Don't get confused with being relevant and not being holy. Not the same thing. I don't mess around with that stuff. I know some people are really cool. They go out and do their thing. But guess what? I want to do God's thing. I want to focus on God's will and God's purpose for my life. Because here's the thing that Joseph understood. Joseph rather disappoint man than disappoint God. Man, I pray that's our conviction. I'd rather disappoint a desperate housewife than disappoint the God of my life. I'd rather disappoint a boss than disappoint God, who is my boss. I'd rather disappoint some friends who don't think I'm cool enough to be hanging out with them. I'd rather disappoint you because I like to see your life in five years. I, want to dis I don't want to disappoint God. Young people, hear me out. Those friends we're talking about is going to be lit. Yeah, it may be lit right now, but I'd like to see your life in five years. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. To sin on purpose is to literally say to God, I don't want your favor. I don't want that for my life. I don't want that for your life. I don't want that for your children. I don't want that for your families. I want the presence of God to always be heavy on us. So my friends, dreams requires delay gratification. Dreams are for people who can hold on on the dessert. Some people go right for the dessert. But dreams are for people who know broccoli is good for me. <laughs> Vegetables are good for me. You know, I know we in church, you know, we spiritualize everything.
But a lot of times our blessings are being robbed by the very practical things we don't do. God bless me, blah, blah, blah. But it's like your whole health, your lifestyle is a mess. The little things that will add up to the things we want to see. Delayed gratification is about putting off what will bless me later. So if God tells me, hey, I don't want you to have sex until you get married because I want to bless you. Guess what, God? I'm in. This is not, ah. Ah. You don't want me to have any fun. No, I want you to have all the fun and be able to keep your sanity and your character and your future. My friends, let me wrap this up. You guys good? So Joseph goes to prison over something he didn't do, but he kept his character. And God honors that. So as the worship comes up, get this, right? It's in prison that Joseph gets his assignment to go to the palace. My friends, be faithful long enough to see God take something that the enemy meant for evil to promote you to where you're supposed to go in the first place. Because here's the thing. I'm not sure things would have went that way if Joseph had slept with her. I think that would have caused a disruption in God's plan. God's faithful to forgive and to restore, but consequences are real. But the enemy meant for evil, God says, I'll use that to be the catalyst for where I want you to go. Think about this. In that time period, if you were accused of rape, it's a death sentence. So he was supposed to die for this. But here's the thing. Here's what I believe. God is good and faithful. Even when the enemy is trying to ruin our lives. Potiphar couldn't find it in him to kill David. Here's why I believe Potiphar couldn't find it in him to kill David. Because David was so good to him. Remember his work ethic. Bless him. But here's the other thing. I'm going to read between the lines here. But I believe this with all my heart. Potiphar knew his wife. He knew what he was dealing with. He knew. And if he didn't know, now he knows. So I believe God takes this moment and says, no, no, you're not going to kill him. Because God has to give enemy permission to, to, to touch your life. He's like, no, you can't kill him. But you throw him in jail, I'm going to take that and mold it and shape it and take him to where he's supposed to go. Your integrity will position you for your blessings. Your integrity will position you for your promotion. Your integrity will position you to have a blessed marriage. Your integrity will position you to run a healthy business. Your integrity will position you to be a blessed minister of God's will. It's your integrity that will make the difference. Romans 8.28, another promises of God. He says... All things work together for the good of those who love the Lord, who are called according to his purpose. Joseph, yes, the enemy meant for evil, but I'm going to take this, turn it around and show you that I am God. I am faithful. You're going to the palace even though they falsely accused you. And my friends, the Old Testament is a foreshadow of the New Testament. 
here you see Joseph being a picture of Jesus, innocent, thrown into jail, but God had a plan. Jesus, that was his jail, the cross, innocent man, betrayed by his own friends, thrown to be crucified, but not enemy not knowing this, that hey, what you meant for evil, this is actually gonna be God's way of redeeming humanity and saving us from our own sins and saving us from our own shortcomings. Listen, my friends, we're all guilty of falling short of God's will. All of us. That's what I love about the Bible. None of these guys measure up, but there was one qualified to go to the cross. In God's court, we're all guilty. Did you know this? In God's court, your lawyer, we need a lawyer. Because he can't stand to righteousness. He can't stand to pay the sins of the world. But Jesus hung on that cross. And that was God's dream. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Jesus on the cross was defeating Satan. He was defeating sin. He was defeating death. And he was saying, listen, watch in three days, I rise again and show you I have power over everything that tries to come against you. No weapon formed against you will prosper. If you stay faithful, if you stay loyal, if you stay committed, if you stay on my will, if you don't cut corners, if you don't take shortcuts, watch me take you from the pit to the palace. Watch me take you to where I created you to take you. We hope this talk has encouraged and challenged you. If it was helpful, share with a friend. And for more information, visit our website at newlifesouthcoast.com. Until next time, have a blessed week.